What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central. I'm your host, Hayes. This is your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. And on today's episode, we'll be going off a new comment from Windhorse that he made on his podcast. Nothing major really there. We'll also be talking about the possible NBA expansion and what that could mean for the league. And then we'll also be continuing our draft profiles, this time on Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams, the guard uh, from Santa Clara. We'll get into all that and more on today's Chicago Bulls Center. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, beautiful people. So, uh, first up, Brian Windhorse uh, on the Hoop Collective podcast did say that he feels like Zach Levine wants to stay in Chicago. Now, this is, as I said, and I'm not going to stay on this long, I'm really over the Zach Levine reporting for the most part. So, you know, I, I do and I will report on things when they do come from credible sources, things like that. But this is all about nothing. This is something that you're going to hear. You're going to hear about 10 more times between now and when Zach Levine signs with the Bulls or whoever. Uh, it's going to literally be about 10 to 15 more rumors that, oh, he hates Chicago. He loves it in Chicago. Oh, he wants this. Listen. The one thing that I've said, and just the, the 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 sensible thing is, this is this has always been Clutch Sports doing what Clutch Sports does. I do believe that Zach Levine wants to stay in Chicago. I do believe that it makes more sense. There's 55 million dollars million reasons for Zach Levine to want to stay in Chicago. On top of, and that's not even going into the basketball part. Listen, the Demar thing, uh, the beef with the Demar. Listen, that's not true. That's not factual, and we're not even going to get into that idiotic speech. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that it makes more sense. Now, are there basketball? options out there that could get Zach Levine to a championship sooner? Absolutely. There is. But this team was built for Zach Levine. This uh, And no, we're not going to hear any of that. He became secondary to DeMar DeRozan. Go and look at the facts. Go and look at the number of shots they got. Um, even in crunch time, Zach Levine, it was like less than one less shot than DeMar DeRozan. This is Zach Levine's team. This team was built for him to succeed and to get him help. And DeMar DeRozan is not here long term. Zach Levine will be. So those are all reasons why that Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan narrative is just not a factual one. But with all that being said, um, you know, yes, I do believe that Zach Levine more than likely wants to stay in Chicago. And I believe that that Chicago front office wants him to stay as well. There's a lot of reasons that that makes sense on the basketball court. Not on the basketball court, financially, everything. So we'll see. We're not going to stay on that too long. We're going to go ahead and move on to something that I am excited to talk about, and that is the NBA expansion. Now, the NBA, the CBA is up in the NBA at the end of the 2024 season. That is the the earliest in which the expansion could be worked into the new CBA. That doesn't mean that immediately in the 2024, heading into the 2025 season, that it's it's going to be an expansion draft or teams announced right then. But that does mean that that's when we can get the official announcement that the NBA is going to expand. That's when we can start seeing uh, the plans be in place. Maybe owners announce things like that. Um, but if you if you're hearing this and this is already coming out, it's it's all but likely to happen. Even even the the Portland Trail Blazers, which the uh, the founder of Nike just put in an over two billion dollar offer for the Portland Trail Blazers. That's when this really first started. Is that uh, it was announced that the or said that. The Portland Trailblazers, whoever did buy the team, could not move the team to Seattle because the NBA had their eyes on an expansion there. So as of right now, what we're hearing is that the teams would be Seattle and Las Vegas, which is kind of interesting because those are both on the West Coast side of things. So that would mean that maybe uh, that, that there's going to be a team moved from the Eastern Conference into the uh, into the I'm sorry, from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference to make all this make sense. And the team that I would look at. Uh, that would probably make that make, make the most sense is 
I'm trying to look at, give me one second. That would probably mean if I had to guess that the New Orleans Pelicans would be the team, which did used to be an Eastern Conference team, would move probably back into the East to then allow for, even then though, that's still, no, then that would even out because you, the one team would be replacing the Pelicans and then you'd add another team. I'm sorry, the, 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 yeah, the New Orleans Pelicans. So looking at that, if I had to guess, just because New Orleans is in the South, and yeah, it's probably closer to the West Coast than the East Coast, but just looking at the teams right now, I can't see them putting either Seattle or a Las Vegas team in the Eastern Conference. So that probably does mean maybe, maybe they can push moving Memphis also into the Eastern Conference. Maybe one of those two teams. Um, but I would say it's probably going to be New Orleans because that's just what I think. Um, again, that may not be factual. Again, that's they'll work that out. Um, but it's very interesting. And it's always an exciting time when we do have uh, new teams come into the NBA. That's going to usually mean more revenue. That's more places to go. And the city of Seattle, I'm telling you guys, the moment that a new NBA team it breaks ground in Seattle, it's going to bring so much into the NBA. For those who don't remember what it was like for the Seattle Supersonics, and if they keep that name to be in to be in Seattle, it was it was an amazing time. That's an amazing city, especially when that team's winning. So be on the lookout for that. That's that's it's going to be an exciting time and an expansion draft. That's usually you, you may be able to get off some contracts at that point in time. We'll see uh, the way that expansion drafts has worked in the past is that teams get to protect eight players um, or if they don't have eight players under contract, they then can make one player available. Um, but then we'll see some teams may maneuver around that time. You may see some maneuvering once the, the expansion is announced when it's officially going to happen. You may see some teams move some contracts interestingly enough so that maybe they do only have eight players under contract so then they can just make a player or a contract that they want to get off the books available then more than likely that's probably not going to be drafted uh every team doesn't lose a player also restricted free agents uh, they can pick from restricted free agents usually in expansion drafts as well so that, just be on the lookout for that it's usually an exciting time around the nba uh, when when there's an expansion, let me know what you guys think down below. Are you excited for potential teams to be back? One team to be back in Seattle and another in Las Vegas. The WNBA is also looking to expand, which I have some issues with. But I'll talk about that when I start doing more Chicago Sky coverage, which may be coming in. I guess that's, I'm just going to leave that there. I'm going to let you guys think about that. But let's go ahead and get into our draft process for, the, for today. We're actually only doing one. And it's mainly because I want to even up the number. So we've covered 17 prospects so far. This is going to make 28 prospects. I said before, I'm covering 23. I had 23 prospects on my list, and we will be getting finishing that out next week. Um, so we'll, we'll be talking about those prospects and finishing that out. But th today we're talking about Jalen Williams, and this is a shooting guard slash point guard from Santa Clara. He didn't play in a big conference, so you may not you may not know him. Uh, you know, let me say shooting guard slash small forward. He did play point guard very early in his career. He actually grew. He was a late grower, so he grew late and up to six six now. Uh, two two hundred and ten pounds, a seven one wingspan, which is wild. Um, looking at him, a good uh, comps that you see for him are like John Salmons, things like that. But he, this is a player that has some great ball handling skills, right? Not, I wouldn't say you necessarily want him to be the one facilitating every time up and down the court, but he does have some great ball handling skills. Um, he has a nice, he's not the fastest on the foot speed. That's probably one of, going, going to be his big, biggest weakness. Despite his size, despite his athleticism, he's not an elite, I should say despite his size, he's not an elite athlete at all, and he doesn't have the greatest speed or lateral speed at that. So defense is going to be a concern for him on the NBA level, very much so. But outside of that, his versatility offensively, he's already shown to be a highly efficient 
score. And the reason why I have him on my list and the reason why I wanted to talk about him is that as we look for more consistent bench scoring, right? We want some 3 and D players. He doesn't he doesn't project to be that defensive player, but he has great basketball instincts. He he can he can uh he can he's a three-level scorer. Let's be clear on that. Three-level scorers are are rarity as is. Effective and efficient three-level scorers at that which he does uh project to very much so be. Um He's he's so versatile offensively. He's he uses his size against other point guards. I mean, against other guards. So the fact that he has that size and length that really puts him at more of a small forward frame. But he has a a, a shooting guard game. Other and especially smaller shooting guards, which we see a lot in the NBA nowadays, gonna have their very issues, um, uh, very big issues with him on the defensive end guarding him. Um, now, as far as the, his defense, yes, he doesn't have the best lateral quickness, but he is an active defender, meaning that he does try. He's not one of those players that is going to get lost defensively. He's not aware defensively. He does. He just doesn't have the physical skills to be a great defender, but he is very much aware. He is probably going to be one of those players that you can project to get in the passing lanes. He averaged over a steal per game over his uh, co collegiate career. Let's go over those numbers. In his junior year, he played 33 games. Averaged 34.8 minutes, scored 18 points per game on the collegiate level, which doesn't sound a lot, a, like a lot for the NBA level, but that's actually a lot on the on the collegiate level. 4.2 assists, again, showing that facilitating. 4.4 rebounds per game, again, with his size and wingspan, you expect for him to be able to get rebounds at that guard position. He gets a lot of defensive rebounds at that. 3.8 of those rebounds were defensive rebounds. He's an 80% free throw shooter, which is huge. Now, one thing also that I want to talk about with Talking about his free throw percentage, he doesn't get to the line as much as I would think that he does. He does get to the line about four times per game. Now, that's probably a lot on the collegiate level, honestly, but I would like to see him get to the line a little bit more often. But he, when he does get there, he shoots it at a high clip. 30, a 39, basically a 40% three-point shooter, which is huge. We've talked about that. Um, 50, uh, 30, or 50, 40%, 90% uh, player in the NBA. He projects to possibly be one of those players. Two-point percentage, their overall field goal percentage, 51% overall from the field. Again, that is efficient, efficient, efficient scoring. And he projects to be that. We know that we need a score. And more than likely, we may be moving on for Kobe White. What Jalen Williams would be able to do is, is, and I've always said this, with most of the prospects that I cover, at least the ones that I see the Bulls really having a chance at drafting, I look at what is their ready NBA skill. And scoring is absolutely his. He could be able to come in in his rookie year and average 12 to 15 points off the bench, depending on how a team goes to him. If that team ends up being the Chicago Bulls, he very much projects to be an even more efficient scorer than what Kobe White is. So if we're looking for a Kobe White replacement or somebody to really come off the bench and fill that scoring role, again, Jalen Williams project, projects to be that. Again, he's an active defender too, way more active, even in Kobe White's improvement this year uh, defensively. He's a way more active defender than that. It's just his, it's, it's just that, that lateral quickness that may cause him some issues on the defensive end, especially smaller, quicker guards that can beat him off the dribble. Those are going to be some concerns for him. Um, he doesn't have the highest ceiling, right? Because he's an older player, he stayed until his junior year. He's 21 um, already. He'll be 21 uh, most of his uh, rookie season. He'll turn 22 at the end of that season. Now, 22 is usually the area where there is still some room for improvement, so he can become a solid defender, right? Again, I know I'm not saying he's going to be a terrible defender anyway. That defensive issue you can see in him improving on, but that offensive skill set that he brings, while he doesn't really project to have 
a super big ceiling over what he does, in my opinion, right? Over what he is right now, he comes in as a ready-made scorer on that NBA level with that three-level scoring. That's my thoughts on Jalen Williams. Do I think he's going to be the pick for the Chicago Bulls? I would probably say no because there are there are picks around this area, like I've said before, that have either higher upside or more or more well-rounded game to be able to contribute off the Bulls bench, both defensively and offensively right now. But if he were to be the pick for the Chicago Bulls, it really depends on what they end up doing with Kobe White and how they fill out the rest of the bench. Because if they fill out the rest of the bench with effective passers, with solid defenders where he always has some great defenders around him, I can definitely see Jalen Williams being effective for the Chicago Bulls. But that defensive concern, at least for me, is a very big one when it comes to this player. But let me know what you guys think down below on Jalen Williams. This is actually Ricky Fontaine's guy, so hopefully he catches this video as well. Sounds off in the comments. But I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you think about this prospect. Only one prospect today. That's it for Chicago Bull Central for today. Make sure you're following the podcast at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and or voicemail, sound off on this prospect or any of the, any of the 18 prospects we covered so far in, in our draft analysis, you can do so at 773-270-2799. Like I liked in every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break, Break, Break Media. Media.